Welcome to an hour of our time, the podcast where we pick a topic, research it, and come back to tell you what we've learned. Today we're going to talk about chain restaurants. We're going to answer the eternal question, is your food at Applebee's microwaved? We're also going to talk about the business of chain restaurants, what defines a chain restaurant, and go over some of the most popular chains. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. And I'm Mark. see a kitty behind you there mark yep i'm babysitting hank for a little while oh. um beth has some guests over for a book club and oh. he is very curious about that so he's hanging out with me and is very agitated oh so he would he would like to be with the book club yeah. he hates books is he an avid i was gonna say that was is he an avid reader yeah um he his Damn, I wish I had a pun. I just imagine a cat like uh, <laughs> taking a crap in the litter box with like like a book like a book like propped up. Oh, uh, I got one better. So Henry was the cat that Mark had when we lived together years ago, and uh, he used to do this thing where I would wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of like imagine the sound of somebody dragging a pair of blue jeans across the ground really hard. Uh, and it was because the cat had taken a shit on the floor in Mark's room and then was trying to bury it by pulling Mark's jeans over them. So not only did the cat take a shit on the floor, <laughs> it dragged Mark's clothes into oh, no. it. Yeah. Class, classic Hank. Yep. Used to do that all the time. Anyways. Uh, classic Hank. Who's ready to talk about chain restaurants? I Hell yeah. am ready to talk about chain restaurants. I... I, I gotta say this. I feel like this is as close as I've gotten recording this podcast into doing some real investigative reporting. Well, sure, okay. yeah. I'm well, trying to get me, the bottom me, of some shit here. Let me ask the question here before we get into the negative, because there's probably a lot of <laughs> funny shit. I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna talk about something very, very positive uh, that made me want to eat at this restaurant. But, but yes, go, go on. Well, then, then you might have an answer to this question. Then, so let's round robin here. Favorite. Let's start with favorite fast food restaurant. I don't know that we did that when we talked about fast food. Oh, fair. Fast food. Wanna, okay. But then I want to do favorite chain restaurant that isn't fast food. So first of all, favorite fast food. Joe, go. Um, I would say the fast food restaurant that is that's my favorite, just by qualified by like the one that we eat at the most in my house is probably Raisin Cane's. Uh, which if you're not. I don't know that I don't think they're national. Um, that's like their chicken strips. But if you're if you're here in Columbus, we have like a yeah, like a million of them now. It's it's great if you're a fan of one thing on the menu. They they again, if you're not familiar with this, they are in a group of restaurants that I think is like a newer kind of concept where they ensure quality by having an extremely limited menu. They have you can list on your hand the number of things that they serve there they serve chicken yep. strips they serve the sauce that the chicken strips goes in which is very good it's like a mayonnaise sauce french fries bread and coleslaw that's my, my brother-in-law currently works for raising canes oh okay 
Yeah, he, he has mentioned that it's a very streamlined process because of the limited menu. Um, yeah, and so I think that's like one way that they ensure quality. And one of the things I learned about chain restaurants is that a limited menu is like seen as the way that you have to do it. And if you don't <laughs> well, have you, a limited menu... Tell that to the Cheesecake Factory, Joe. Well, I'm going to talk about the Cheesecake they're, Factory. They're doing a lot of stuff. They, they're, they're, doing, they're doing too much. They exactly defy that logic for reasons that I'll go into, but actually they do it successfully. But anyway, yeah, I think Raising sure. Cane's. But it's sort of like my favorite. Um, I don't know, big fan of... Uh, I love a good hamburger. I think if you count five guys as a fast food, I think that's probably our other favorite place okay. i think they make good hamburgers and good fries i'm with you there and they always have peanuts when you go in there yeah so like i for, so like for reference i think not to belabor the point i think like shake shack has a slightly better cheeseburger but they're they're more expensive and i think their fries kind of suck all right well i haven't had shake shack i'll take your word for that you should go check it out mark same question to you and don't give me three answers <laughs> sorry <laughs> um for fast food i would have to say taco bell oh man i thought you were a wendy's oh, okay. man i like wendy's too i think wendy's is a lot better quality than mcdonald's or burger king or something like that okay hot take but it's it's not something that i want to eat all the time hot take i used to think that wendy's was like far far the the highest quality of all the standard fast food restaurants um I think that they, I think their quality is uh, decreased uh, in the past few years. And I think McDonald's quality has increased dramatically to the point where I think I might rather go to McDonald's right now. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that. Um, I, I want to read a text I sent Joe Wood the other day. <laughs> I think the quality of a lot of restaurants has gone downhill. Uh, I mean, that I, I think, several yes. Years. I, I think that's probably because we're getting old and our taste buds are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I'm actually, a, I'm a McDonald's fan, um, but my real answer to this right now, because it fluctuates, I think it's Culver's. I am all about Culver's, and that shit is the bomb. There's a Culver's here right near where I live, but I've never been there. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Go, go get a butter burger, and then if you like a blizzard, they have something called a concrete mixer, which is exactly what it does to your tum-tum. Yep, yep, it's yep. Great. I'm gonna have Joe, to. Do you not like Culver's? Okay, I'm gonna have to go. I don't want to besmirch the good name of this restaurant because I've heard very good things about them, and I, I think I need to go eat there at some point. I got food poisoning on the way to paleontology field season in graduate school. So we're driving from Ohio to right. to southwestern North Dakota. So it's like a three day car trip. I did not get food poisoned at Culver's. I'm gonna point that out. Sorry, Culver's. But we ate in a Culver's, and I was like praying for death. At that I was at that the high arc of the food poisoning, and I was like praying right. for death. And I yeah. just associate Culver's with, with that experience. Well, I highly recommend. Although I I have been a real fan of the Whopper lately, and I sent Joe Wood a a, a text the other day. Well, this was on Sunday morning. It said, "Saw Ant Man this morning. Took a weird shit during it." Ate a Whopper in the car after the movie, living the dream. Notice that the thing that's not contained in that text is like anything about that actual movie, just about the, the shit that Dave took. Um, and I think if you listen to this podcast, that's pretty that's pressing to you. I mean, I was just eating this Whopper in the car, and uh, I thought, I got to tell Joe about this. Yeah, no, I was here for it. Um, Ant-Man was fine. I think we should probably, since we're talking a bunch about fast food, 
I think we should. Well, do we want to talk about your favorite like chain restaurant since we're going into that? Yeah. So let's do the other round robin. Favorite chain restaurant that isn't fast food. Yeah. So we're talking about like a like a, a Chili's, a TGI Fridays, a Fuddruckers, if you will. Yeah. Oh man, R.I.P. Fuddruckers. Yeah, they're not around anymore. Not not around here anyway. Uh, well, okay. Well, I started, so I'll start with this one. Um, oh man. Um, I don't know uh, the answer to this question. Honestly, I don't think this is one where we like consistently go to it. Yeah, this is a tougher one for me. I like Baby Bop actually. That's a yeah, uh, yeah, place yeah, that started okay. locally. Uh, it's um, I didn't know that was local. Yeah, this, but is that fa- is that fast food? They're not like fa- where's the line? Well, they're not fat. Oh, that's fast casual. That's not a sit down restaurant. I think we're specifically in this talking about. I want to get into definitions after this, but yeah, they don't have a server, which is kind of what I'm thinking about with this. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I think most of the chain restaurants where you have like a server kind of garbage, which is sort of one of the things we we learned here. No, uh, I, I agree. Uh, okay, Red Robin. Okay. Uh, we, Every time I eat a Red Robin's cheeseburger, I b- just blow up their bathroom within minutes of eating it. I don't know what it is. I think that's I don't a, know what they put in there. Sounds like a you, it's a me thing. I think yeah. that's a you problem. I think they. I'm actually, allergic to something in their in their like meat recipe. I think they have seasoning. A, I think they have a pretty. I think they have a pretty good hamburger. Um, their fries are really good, and um, as is often the case with things, I might I choose it based on like my children and they like it, so it's yeah. So that that, Mark, that would about, be mine. What about you, Mark? Um, we're talking like a sit down nice restaurant. Well, sit down. Well, I don't know okay. about nice. That's that's you know, sit down is objective. Nice is subjective. I have not yeah. actually went and sat down at a restaurant very much in a while. <laughs> Why? Me, um, me neither. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to be sticky. Oh, um, there is an O'Charlie's nearby, and we get that fairly regularly but i only get chicken fingers and they are pretty good okay um controversial opinion i don't really like raising canes i don't I either like i don't i don't see what the chicken ratio is not correct you think has, i don't think the sauce is anything to th- write home you think about it has either. too much or not enough breading i think it has too much chicken and not enough breading okay. because they okay. use like a big fat wet piece of meat they use a very light it's a very light breading typically yeah. yeah, I'm I'm rolling I'm rolling past big fat wood piece chicken. I'm just moving past it. Um a few weeks ago we got um takeout from Brio and it was very good. Brio is good. Is well, it used to be better. They used to have a really good shrimp and grits, but they have one at Easton and is that a it's chain? like a it's a chain, yeah. Well, let's talk about what is Oh, sorry, uh Dave Woodchurch. I, I fucking answer. Sorry, Dave. I, you know, I um I, I like I I know I said they're doing too much, but I have never had a bad experience at the Cheesecake Factory. So I was um, gonna agree with you. Or I was gonna say the same thing because I that was the one that I like studied for this. But I just don't actually eat there that often. But um, I, I don't either. If that's if that's the standard, then I got nothing. But yeah. I you know my other choice, and my grandmother will roll over in her grave upon me saying this. But you know I think the Olive Garden gets a bad rap. I knew exactly man. what you were gonna say. I, I got wrong? I got some info on that. Oh yeah, uh, you might ruin it for us, Mark. I I would say again, I don't. I I found out that my grandmother, my Italian American grandmother, <laughs> maiden name uh, Corsi, l- later on in life 
loved Olive Garden. And I was like, Grandma, what? Why? And she was like, oh, that's good. And I don't have to cook it. Like, all right, Grandma. Yeah. That is it's a per- okay. Everything a- there seems like kind of oily. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a way that f- food shouldn't. But, but, but it isn't as bad. Like, Red, Red Lobster has gone... <laughs> Just so far downhill. Well, they're owned by the my same. Bob Evans is not very good anymore. My, Remember my how much we keep, love Bob Evans? Oh my god, the Bobby E's. My, my parents keep doing this thing where, like, they they complain about how Outback just isn't what it used to be. Which, okay, who who gives a shit? Go get a steak at a steakhouse that's actually good. Yeah. But then they'll go they'll go to Outback. They're like, oh, where'd you guys go to eat yesterday? And like, I went to Outback. Hey, it wasn't very good. And it's like. Yeah, because for like five years you've been telling me about how it's gone downhill. Quit going there. Recently, somebody somebody gave us a uh, an Outback gift card, and we were gonna go sit down and eat there and use it. So we went in and sat and waited for like fifteen minutes, and nobody came, and everything was so sticky and gross looking that we just got up and left. Yeah, yeah. I, it was yeah. also the same restaurant where I got a wrong order and ate most of it and then told the manager and he looked at me and was like, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> oh, to be fair, you did eat most of it. I was at, I would say it at an Outback when, uh, uh, and they brought me the wrong thing and I told them immediately, but they were like, eh, you can still have that. Like they didn't, they weren't going to take it back cause it was going to get thrown out. And I ate both things cause I'm a fatty <laughs> cause I am, I have no shame. <laughs> oh, I'm going to revise my previous answer. Uh, we've been to Lone Star, not Lone Star. What is it? Longhorn. 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 Yeah. Longhorn's pretty good, huh? See, typically okay. it just I I think let, we should get into the chain it, restaurants. It's I think also this... number two on my list of twenty best American chain restaurants. I oh, who made also, this list? I saw that. Uh, there's several different like. There's a few different metrics. Um, but that's, I think the one you're looking at, Mark, is probably by um, user surveys, right? Like like people, uh, like diner ratings. Uh, this is a Business Insider article. Yeah. And at the beginning, it said that it accounted for a bunch of things like uh, value, uh, customer ratings, like business. Um, that's right. Fre- frequency of rat droppings in the food. Um, how much is micro- microwaved? What was the number one on that? I Oh, I, you're not giving give it away already. Mark's probably going to lay, lay down this list. Oh, you're right? going to oh, okay. I'll save it. Okay. Because I know what it is, and it was pretty surprising to me, too. Uh, but yeah, when it combines those things. Um, okay. If it's Applebee's, I'm out. Dude, it's if it's Applebee's, not, really? Not Applebee's. Okay, because if it's Applebee's, that whole list is... Everything at Applebee's is fucking microwaved, and I can't stand it. Um, well, I'm going to get into that, but let's talk about what is a chain restaurant, because we've kind of talked okay. around it a little bit. Sure. Like We did an episode about fast food. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of overlap between like a chain restaurant and, and I think what we are specifically talking about is like a subset of chain restaurants where yeah. it's sit down or what you call table service. Um, but like, what do you guys think of when you think of a, a chain restaurant? I think of, um, I think of a lot of American cuisine, like a lot of burgers and ribs and, uh, commercials during football games, and I think of everything that's on like the main drag in Boardman, Ohio. I'm sure Mark thinks that too. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I, I think like standardized menu. I think we standardized talked about menu. like the urbanization of America and people moving from place to place and expecting a similar experience at different yeah. locations of the same restaurants. Yeah. Like a lot of this has to do with a lot of this actually, some of the, 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 the beginnings of the chain restaurant predates like the post-war period and the highway system and some of the stuff that we talked about with fast food, but that certainly contributed to it. Cause a lot of these places that we've already discussed are kind of like, in like strip malls. Right. Um, right. Th- those things certainly helped them grow into what they are today. But just as a little bit of a step out chain restaurant, um, it's a group of restaurants that has uh, different locations, but uh, the, the restaurants share a name and a concept. So often they even look the same inside. There are certain design elements that are the same. Um, the, uh, the definition, uh, they also tend to have the same menu. Uh, many, some of these are, are corporate direct owned, direct owned businesses. Many of these are franchises where you are paying the Applebee's company to be a franchisee of your restaurant. And that's exactly the same as like McDonald's or yes. Yeah, so a lot of fast chain. food is that way. Yeah. And are any are there are there any that are specifically not done that way? There probably are. There are. It, it depends on them, but many of these are, are franchised. Um, but the definition of a chain restaurant differs by jurisdiction. So in some um, states or municipalities, uh, any more than three restaurants of the same name and concept qualifies as a uh, as a chain restaurant. Um, but in uh, in New York, um, it's any more than fifteen. So there is an actual oh, like okay. kind of like legal definition of a chain restaurant. Okay, so why why a chain restaurant? Because I think like there's actually been at least there's been a lot of now I saw data that goes against this, I will say, which I may talk about later, but um there's been a kind of vibe <laughs> for better word, and I use that word uh purposely because it again it kind of goes against actual hard data, but the feeling that millennials especially are um, uh, are kind of going against these types of restaurants in favor of locally owned small businesses. Um, I think local restaurants are generally better, but there are way more chain restaurants. There are a lot of them, depending on where you live, you honestly yeah. like might not have a lot of access to local restaurants. Uh, but, um, but the reason why these places are popular is uh, guests expect consistency. So when you are on a trip and you're trying to figure out someplace to eat and you see that Longhorn Steakhouse sign on the freeway, you know what to expect. And people like to know what to expect, especially when it comes to food. Um, these these uh, chain restaurants have a lot of corporate oversight, um, everything down to like the way that certain menu items are prepared. Although, again, I'm going to talk about in the case of Applebee's, there's a lot of variation from restaurant to restaurant. Um, but... Uh, they have a lot of corporate oversight on like the menu and things like that. Um, one thing I think was interesting is that often chain restaurants have better pay and benefits. Um, so, and that seems counterintuitive, but then if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because these are much bigger companies. They have more money on hand to pay uh, and they have a larger workforce, which tends to um, enable them to have better benefits. Um, now, restaurants in general are pretty um, 
slim profit margin yes. businesses to begin with. Yes, running a business or running a small business is hard um, because of like the pandemic. It's you know harder than it's ever been, um, and especially restaurants are have notoriously small margins, like you said. But um, but yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Again, this is going to vary from place to place. Um, and then um, more funding allows these places to innovate and they can grow very quickly because they have more locations. They have more money on hand to open up a new location in a way that a you know mom and pop restaurant is just not able to do. Uh, and then also with like the cash on hand and they may have like spare staff, they can, you know, work on like new menus and things like that. And higher marketing firms and they just have a lot of advantages that you know like a mom and pop shop doesn't so that's kind of like why these places are popular that makes sense yeah i have a very brief history of the restaurant in general let's get it oh damn i think it's yeah. worth talking about are this we going is... back to ancient mesopotamia no we're going back to ancient china well good well, yep, that's, actually yep. it's not ancient china um <laughs> like 11 1100 ad china Okay. Um, so this is from a History oh, Channel okay. article. A ancient, just, ancient-ish. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna breeze through it because there's not a lot here. Um, okay. They point out that things like food stalls, markets, like inns that have a restaurant or like food in them, um, have been around forever. That's not really what we're talking about specifically. Since time immemorial. But um, the first establishments recognizable as a um, modern restaurant popped up around 1180 in China in some of the bigger cities um, that were already very urbanized. And interestingly, these types of restaurants were sort of like ethnic restaurants because they catered to traders coming from like Southern China up to Northern China. But the food in different regions is pretty different. So they would go and eat at these restaurants that had food that they were familiar with. So um, that would be considered the sort of, you know, modern restaurant. Um, this idea sort of expanded to Japan as well. Um, and the Japanese like tea ceremony culture, there were already places like that, but expanded to serve a host of different foods and things like that. Um, that happened around the 1500s in um, Europe. This restaurant sort of concept evolved separately, um, I guess, without influence of these earlier Asian restaurants. Um, but they popped up in France. There's this um, idea called the table de haute, a fixed price meal eaten at a communal communal table at lunchtime. So um, you have a, a space to open a quote-unquote restaurant. People would come all eat together, kind of like family style, uh, around 1 o'clock. Um, working communities sort of develop their own restaurants with particular types of foods. Um, and it goes on to say, this is, this is very interesting to me, the origin of the word restaurant um, and it comes from France around the time of the revolution, French revolution. Okay. And the word restaurant 
I'm just reading this from the article. The word restaurant comes from the French verb restaurer to restore oneself. Hmm. And the the first true French restaurants opened decades before the 1789 revolution purported to be the health food shops selling one principal dish, bouillon. The French description for this type of slow-simmered bone broth or consomme is a bouillon restaurant or restorative broth. Did you say bone, bone broth? Bone broth. Yeah. So, the phrase bone broth and the popularity of bone broth makes me really, in the past few years, makes me really upset. I'm going to complain about it for a minute. I learned recently that bone broth has become like a trendy diet thing. Well, you get a stew, stew going. Dave, you, you, your wife is, uh, is a chef. So what has Correct, she ever yeah. complained about the phrase bone broth? I've never heard her say the words bone broth. There is no, do you know what? What's bo- your beef with bone broth? Do you know what bone broth is called? Stock. There's a name stock, for that. Yeah. It's called it's stock. Stock, stock yeah. is when you simmer bones, and then the resulting liquid is used for soups and, and other things. Broth is when you simmer uh, meat, and bones can be in it as well. So okay. what the what bone bone broth is just stock, but they've given it another name to make it sound trendy. And I are these like people on the doing the paleo diet that do this shit? It, it, yeah, and. It, it pisses me off. Anyway, sorry. Well, these. Oh, no, I, I love hearing what pisses you off in the culinary world. <laughs> I know you also don't like the Instagram videos when people are just like slapping down meat and, chunk, 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 and like scraping with their knife. Chunk, 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 like Why the, the hell noise. are all of these guys wearing black rubber gloves? I don't think that's necessary. Okay. That I will defend. I have a pair of those gloves. They're good. I, I mean, gloves are fine. It's just. Well, it's you know. when you're handling. Uh, when you're handling like for serving stuff, if I'm cooking for a bunch of people, I will wear those because the food is hot. So you don't want to burn your hands. It helps you like, you know, slice meat, for instance, and then portion it out on a plate and your hands will get dirty and then it's more sanitary. So I, I actually do. wear okay. those. What, right. what, but it's not the gloves. It's the fact that everybody's wearing black ones. Is that what's getting you, Mark? They're in every every food video that I've seen recently. It's like a guy um, making a steak that's like fucking this big yeah and they're like, like four books right and they have and to slap it beforehand and like yeah. they slap it and then when they're done they take their knife and they they scrape it yeah. they're um yep. they're yep. cooking on a campfire out in the wilderness but they've got black rubber gloves on for some reason they just listened to joe rogan's podcast yeah food food instagram is there's a lot to, to make you upset and, and well, Joe, I, I send you i send you shit like every day food stuff but it's always stuff that is annoying it's never like good things no, no. See, the thing that pisses me off about that stuff is that sometimes they'll include the recipe, but they don't ever actually show you how to cook it. It's just food porn. It pisses me off. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Anyway, these uh, restaurateurs that served this bouillon, or stock, as Joe says. Bouillon. Bouillon. Served, served customers at small individual tables. They had a printed but limited menu. And people really liked this atmosphere, the way that things were being served. So later on, they developed into the sort of um, over-the-top, very fancy, um, grand Parisian restaurants that you know you would think about when you think about a, a French restaurant. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it also says here that the first restaurant in uh, America opened in 1837 called Delmonico's. Um, okay. And they they are still open. Home of the, in Del- the same location. Delmonico Steak. Yeah. Um, it says oh. they, they did have to close for COVID for a little bit, but they're open again. But they sell um, or serve fancy things like Eggs Benedict, uh, Baked Alaska, Lobster Newberg, um, the Delmonico steak, as you mentioned, and, and stuff like that. So I don't know. That's just a, a quick quick and dirty rundown of yeah. you know, restaurants. So um, later later on, we, you know, we talked about suburbanization and stuff like that. And I think that's when, you know, these commercialized restaurants really kicked off. Sure. Some uh, some early chain restaurants, just to continue with the history briefly. Um, in uh, 1864, uh, the Aerated Bread Company, ABC, which it sounds very appetizing. Um, yeah, really. Began operating a chain of tea shops in England. Um, and then uh, in 1884, there was uh, uh, another chain uh, called uh, Leon's or Lions opened. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And, uh, those, uh, spread to all over the UK. Um, at one point they had 200 cafes. So that, that's like a really early chain restaurant that is, you know, comparable to some of the, you know, medium sized chains that we have today. Um, in, uh, 1896, um, there was a group of, uh, fish and chips shops uh owned by um samuel isaacs that opened all over so apparently um prior to this fish and chips and i think this is still a thing but uh you you got fish and chips from a window and you know they were they were eating either at home or or outside um in 1896 samuel isaacs uh in white chapel opened up a sit-down restaurant those fish and chip shop this became very popular and opened up locations all over. So um, that was one of the early, some of the early innovations in the chain restaurant. As I mentioned, you know, these go back pretty far. And, um, and as Mark said, they go back even farther than this. But yeah. That's interesting. I could go for some fish and chips. I do like fish and chips. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that I found, and I will talk about this, if we have time, I'll talk about this, is uh, if you're at a restaurant and the only seafood they have is fried, then it's definitely frozen. Yeah, that makes sense. It's definitely not fresh. If they have non-fried or non-breaded seafood, then there's a higher possibility that that's not i mean there's nothing wrong with frozen seafood by the way a lot of stuff in restaurants is frozen i hate to break it to you uh even what you would consider quote unquote nice restaurants because freezing things helps it not go bad well uh what do we want to talk about next is are we ready to talk about some specific examples of restaurants or uh, dave i know you had some stuff you wanted to talk about no, I, I'm going to pass it over to it over to Mark. What I ended up with was a lot of like just interesting little facts about chain restaurants. That was kind of what okay. jumped out most to me. But that feels like something we can end with. Okay, I was say you want to do a little fast facts at the end. Yeah, yeah. Why not? All right. Let's uh, let's look at my list here of some of the most popular restaurants, and we can just 
take them as they come. So okay. well, I had, I had uh, specific information about about I picked the two ends of the spectrum. So I got Applebee's okay. and I've got Cheesecake Factory. So when you talk about them, maybe I'll okay jump. In. I don't I don't feel like I need to to do all twenty. There are a few restaurants <laughs> on here that I have never heard of and I'm not familiar with. Um, Nineteen is Red Lobster. I don't remember the last time I have been to a Red Lobster. I don't either. I'm. It was started in 1968. I think they've had some Red prob- was? problems lately, mm-hmm. past few years. Oh, what kind of problems? Uh, just um, like losing money, and um, there was a. I know that there was like an internal document that leaked a few years ago, um, talking about like how terrible the food is, and they got to get their shit together. Like, oh, I I do remember that. Like invest, like from investors and them saying like the like the only thing that's there that's worth eating is like the biscuits. <laughs> well, I mean, um, it's a seafood restaurant primarily in landlocked areas. I feel like you shouldn't be shocked. No. What do you yeah. mean? These oysters aren't fresh. <laughs> I got a story Some about that. Lake Erie oysters. Anyways. Num- number number 17 on this list is Outback. Where do there you, you think the head- headquarters for Outback Steakhouse is? It's I bet not, it's somewhere like, it's like Vermont, right? It's not Australia. <laughs> Tampa, Florida. Yep. Tampa, oh, that makes too much sense. Although I had the best clam chowder of my life in uh, Tampa, Florida. So. Oh, sure, yeah. Not at a, an Outback Steakhouse? No, it was in, what's the area outside of Tampa? Um, All right. Like Clearwater, Fort, are you talking Fort, about Clearwater Fort, or are you talking about? Uh, Fort Myers. Fort Myers maybe. is not close. It's several hours from Tampa, but. Um, maybe maybe Clearwater. It was right outside of Tampa, that's, but they had. That's a, Clearwater or St. Petersburg. Oh, sorry. Yes, St. Petersburg. There you go. Uh, there was a restaurant there that advertised like world's best clam chowder. Kind of like you advertise world's best coffee. Yeah. And I don't know <laughs> if it was the world's best, but I'm a man who's eaten a lot of clam chowder because I very much like it. And this was the best I've ever had. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, Clearwater, so the, uh, Clearwater, Florida, the, home of Scientology. Uh, that's true. That's the true. the Bloomin' Onion at um, Outback is notoriously one of the worst things that you can eat. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's obvious just like what it does to your hand. Well, one of the one of them alone is two thousand three hundred and sixty calories. <laughs> oh, don't tell me this. Okay, uh, I feel like I feel like if you eat it, it's like the end of Terminator Two. Okay, where you just like you touch it and then your hand is just like like a skeleton, like a metal skeleton. Well. This might shock you, but I have eaten an entire blue moon in a city. That does not shock Did me. Did you recover from your heart attack? <laughs> I had a st- Did you shit your pants a quarter of the way through it? I had a stent. I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went, honestly, this must have been very early into dating my, my now wife. And we were at an Outback Steakhouse. Cause it reasonably priced. We were like, you know, didn't have a lot of money. We wanted to eat it at a darn restaurant. I don't know how to explain myself, but we went to an Outback. I mean, we had a gift card. It was something like this. I like fried onions. She does not like onion rings or, or that kind of thing. And I was like, well, I want to eat it, but there's, there's only one size. Right. She's like, right. just, just, just get it. I couldn't, <laughs> I consumed the entire thing. And well, we're still married, so. Well, there, yeah, she she watched you do that and didn't she, leave you. She so. watched me do that and didn't leave me, so, yep. So, folks, if you're on a date, 
eat a whole blooming onion, and then if they they're still sticking around, then you know that's a keeper. Really demonstrates your value. Yep. Um, number sixteen on this list is Buffalo Wild Wings. Okay. There All are right. one thousand one hundred and forty five locations as of the publication of this article. Well, um, there's still a lot of dudes wearing backwards hats be, in the country. You so. might as well just be eating food at a fucking bus stop. Oh, come on. <laughs> I like It's not good. I, I like it. It's not it's not terrible. I can't it's say not I've terrible, ever been there and been offended. But I am consistently aggravated anytime I am there. How often are you at a Buffalo Wild Wings? Um not very often. There's one nearby where we live. Um, my mother-in-law is fucking crazy for wings, so we'll go there and get takeout well, yeah, occasionally, I mean, but nobody ever knows what is going on. No, they do not. So, Yeah. You know who's got good wings? Wingstop. Better oh, than I expected. Right in the title. Yeah. Yeah, they got right a lot of little, little, little sauces, different Terrib- sauces. Terrible pizza, but Domino's has pretty good wings. Huh. You know what? I actually think the Domino's um, like hand-tossed pan like a, a pizza hut style pizza is actually really good i i'll take your word for it but i'm never eating that i, I used again. to think that domino's was inedible like i couldn't stand it i'm in the last five years i'm telling you if i'm gonna get from a chain a pizza domino's that one is my first call without question the company for i real? work for sells a huge amount of equipment to domino's and i feel kind of bad that i don't like it if you if you miss what pizza hut pizza was like when we were kids Get this Domino's pizza. I don't. Fuck you. I still like pizza. You don't want to do. You don't want to do a book it, Mark. I still like pizza. Whatever. <laughs> Fight me, dude. When I was when I was a little kid, I read so many books solely to go to Pizza Hut to get oh. my my pizza. Like <laughs> oh yeah, like uh, so much so that that there were two things I wanted to do when I was a little kid. One was to work at Pizza Hut mm-hmm. and one was to be in the Ohio State Marching Band. And okay. to this day, my dad tells me that I have not achieved either of my goals. So. <laughs> uh, at one point, and Pizza he's, he's Hut, right. At one point, Pizza Hut was the largest consumer of kale in the U.S. Uh, they used it as a decoration on the salad bar. Number 15 on this list is BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. And I forgot about that. BJ's pretty good. I've pre- never been there. I've uh, seen them. I've there are a few around them. town, and they have a pretty diverse menu. And I've tried many things there, and it's all pretty good. And they they have their own house beer and stuff there too. It's like a little bit pricey, but it's pretty good. I've never mm-hmm. had okay. a bad time there. The like small handful of times I've I've been there. Um, I think that restaurant chain was uh, started by um, one of the executives from uh, Cheesecake Factory. They're they're like ah, they're not it, owned it has by a this, similar vibe to Cheesecake Factory. It does. They're not owned by the same company, but it, it was like kind of a spinoff, if you will. Sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, there were some other good ones on here. Um, Carabas Italian Grill is number eleven. Never been impressed with Carabas. Started by two Sicilian guys from Texas. Hey, don't mess with Texas. Do you think that it is better than um, Olive Garden? I I don't think it's better than Olive Garden, although I would argue that it's probably indiscernible. I think <laughs> I think that they are I think that they are trying to be better than Olive Garden, but I think that they're probably the same. I think they're I've probably only ever eaten there like twice. Yeah. I remember going there when it first opened in Boardman and Tyler, our our buddy, got a uh like a chicken fettuccine Alfredo. 
and when the server came and asked what how our meals were he said you go back there and tell the chef i was put on this earth to eat this meal he really liked his fettuccine alfredo but i imagine that it was you know b minus at best huh uh, he's greek uh, he's not italian so <laughs> i mean you know what does he know back uh, in like october for our anniversary we made fettuccine alfredo from scratch mm-hmm. and had like a really good steak at home with it. Yeah. And I don't know if we were just excited to make it or what, but it was like one of the best meals I've had in a long time. One of the best lessons Dude, I learned. Fettuccine Joe, Alfredo is so damn good. Well, Joe, one of the best things you've ever taught me is that there's really no reason to go out and, and go out to eat. You can make better food at home. Just use butter. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a well, paraphrase. <clears throat> oh, it's very much a paraphrase, but it also isn't wrong. <laughs> the uh, the number eight slot on this business insider list is Olive Garden. And I, I looked into this a little bit more. Um, it started in, where do you think? Uh, well, oh, if the commercial. Clearwater, Florida? If the, Orlando, Florida. I say, if the commercials, <laughs> are you telling me that the commercials that show them in Tuscany, Italy are lying to me, Mark? <laughs> giant they table have, outside there yeah. are uh 841 locations which is less than i would have expected okay. in and, how many countries i wonder um that's just u.s locations they're I, I don't know if people in other countries are interested in this they are owned by darden which is the same company that owns all or uh, uh red lobster right couldn't, couldn't think of it so i found another article eight secrets you shouldn't know. Oh, sorry. Eight secrets you should know about Olive Garden. Okay. Um, it sounds less scary one when you say it that way. Is you can cook most of Olive Garden's dishes at home. Of course. Um, you can cook anything at home. Well, this type of Italian food generally yeah. is very good, but not super complicated to make. Yeah. No. No, I, I see what you mean. And they did post a number of their staple recipes online over the years, how you can make this kind of stuff at home. Um, they have particular recipes like this chicken gnocchi soup, mm-hmm. which is pretty good, but laden with um, half a day's salt intake. Uh, you can make that at home if you want. They supposedly have a cooking school in Tuscany, um, but in reality it is a... Um, like hotel that they rent out and just send people there. I believe that. Yeah. Hey, Henry is chewing on my guitar pedals for some reason. Henry, Henry, come on, man. He's fucking pissing me off, dude. Why you gotta be that way, Henry? He's like, give me that fucking book club. I'm trying to get to Pizza Hut. (laughs) They have a pretty strict system of delivering only one breadstick per person at a table at a time. So if you have a group of four, they'll only give you like, what does it say here? Really? Because it feels like they've been pretty, pretty loose with breadsticks. In well, my they'll experience. bring waiters. More. Waiters are obliged to bring just one breadstick per dinner, per diner, per basket delivered, with the only exception being one extra breadstick in the first basket. Okay, so a table of four gets five the first time and four the subsequent times. Yeah, they'll yeah. bring you more, but this they, they only bring you that. They are, this stuff is time. truly unlimited, uh, according to what these articles say. Um, the pasta at Olive Garden is pre-cooked, 
So they boil a huge amount of it until it's almost done um, early in the day and then cool it and save it and then finish it. They also don't put salt in the water, which I guess is a, a controversial Italian thing to not do. I thought that the salt in the water thing was just to get it to boil faster. No, so that's a myth. Um, Damn it. Yeah, so people think like, so people learned in in high school physics that by adding any kind of solute, uh, which is in this case the salt, to the water, that you increase the boiling point. So that is true. But the amount of salt that you would have to add is like astronomical. The even a large pinch of salt to is not going to raise the boiling point even one degree. What salting your water does do is it seasons your pasta. When you're cooking pasta, putting the salt in the water is the only chance you will ever get to season the inside of the noodle. After it's cooked, you can put salt on it, but it's only going to be on the outside of it. So I didn't know this. Not salting your pasta water to this Italian-American boy is insanity. Insanity. Your pasta water should taste salty as fuck. Like like Dave. It should be like ocean water. Yes. Well, it the, should taste um, like the sea. The Alfredo yeah. sauce that I made from scratch ended up being pretty salty. Well, specifically, how many tablespoons or teaspoons of salt per quart of water? A shit ton. I don't measure it. Well, we... I don't know what a shit ton is. Like, give me, give me something rough here. Like a did palmful. Do the uh, like a hillock of salt. I eyeball it. Like <laughs> honestly, because it's not. There's only so much salt's gonna penetrate it, no matter how much you put in it, unless you're adding like, like cupfuls of salt. I heard before that it was it, your pasta water is supposed to be salty like seawater. Yes, it should taste like the sea. Ask any like Italian grandma, and she will tell you this. So like how much how much uh, sodium is in uh, a quart of seawater? So here's the thing about sodium. We're getting way off. <laughs> Measure for me. We're getting way off track here. It's all right. Sodium. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut all this out anyways. Oh, you should don't cut this out. This is great. It's a great podcast, right, Dave. Right. Talk about Olive yep. Garden here. We're here, your family. This is about, probably the most valid information in this hour. The thing so, yeah. about salt is that adding salt at the table. That's not where you're getting your sodium intake. You're getting your most of your sodium intake from packaged foods. So okay. add as much salt as you want to taste. You are not going to hurt yourself that way. Um, I used to hold back from salt because I thought the quote-unquote salt is bad for you. No, salt makes food taste better. Eat, just put the goddamn salt on it. And Live when you life. salt your water, are you using kosher salt? I only have kosher salt. Me in too. my house. But I have two kinds of kosher salt because I'm a fucking dork. That's okay. I'll allow it. Morton kosher salt for baking and this and pasta water. Diamond crystal kosher salt for everything else. Thank you. Mark, continue. Many items at Olive Garden are supposedly reheated in the microwave. Yeah, that doesn't restaurant. surprise me. This was something that I have heard before and I didn't get a definitive answer um one article said that they only use that use the microwave for like 
dessert desserts and like certain things that are pre-made. So I looked at this. I also see that in a different article, it makes the claim that they use the microwave for um, potatoes, vegetables, certain sauces, and some meats. They're all microwave before they put on your plate. Also, okay. I looked into this. The, so the kind done. of chicken that they routinely serve, like on top of pasta, is from a can. Hmm. Hmm. And okay. uh, don't don't care for that. Yeah, that, that's not great. So I can't. I've noticed. I've noticed that the chicken there is always kind of like flat and in the same shape, and has a little bit of a weird texture. Like there's something going on with it. That would make sense that it being canned. If it has a weird texture, um, it's because it's packaged. Because or it could have been microwaved. Yeah, or if it's microwaved, because microwaving does like really makes meat really rubbery, which is actually why even places that supposedly microwave all their food, like Applebee's, probably do not microwave their proteins like steak and chicken. Um, I looked into this uh, this issue specifically related to Applebee's because that's the one you've probably heard. Everything there is microwaved. You've seen memes. It's like a picture of a microwave saying like what the label is or the caption is head chef at Applebee's. Yes. Um, so I looked into this because I uh, this is where I said it like I really tried to like do some some quote unquote investigative journalism. Um, sure. And I'm obviously being a little tongue in cheek here. But to your point, Mark, about like um, Olive Garden, like pre cooking the pasta, that like sounds gross, but that's a perfectly acceptable and extremely common technique i, even I don't know i i don't really have that much of an issue with that i know that element. you yeah i know that you don't but i think a lot of people are like oh i only eat stuff that's like cooking from scratch like then you don't know what's going on in the kitchen of restaurants well but wait a minute I mean, uh, I going, going you, to a Joe. chain restaurant i don't expect to have like a five-star experience yeah. like generally my right. standards are pretty low now even unless at, i'm going somewhere fancy but even but, at quote but, unquote nice restaurants they do a lot of pre-prep but you didn't finish your thought here joe does applebee's microwave most of their food um well let me let me let me finish my thought here with like pasta sometimes they can microwave but a lot of places will par cook it and then boil it again sure right before they're serving yeah. it or they'll hit, hit it in a pan this stuff's very common, actually. Risotto. That's what it says for Olive Garden. Yeah, if you order risotto at a restaurant, it is not cooked to order. I like unless you were at a very expensive restaurant. Why? Because risotto takes like a half hour to cook or more. They cook it most of the way, spread it thinly in a pan, refrigerate that, and then when you've ordered a order risotto, they cook it the rest of the way of a stock. You can do this at home too. Um, I love a, risotto. It's a really you easy. Mean, you mean you mean bone broth, Joe? And cooked in bone broth, also known as stock. So anyway, Applebee's. I looked at um, some accounts from people who have worked there. And what I determined is that it varies from restaurant to restaurant. Because while they are a chain and while there's a lot of corporate oversight, they vary widely in the amount of staff that they have and the configure, even the configuration of their kitchens. So there are Applebee's that cook things mainly um to order that being said a lot of things like vegetables vegetables are cut packaged and then steamed to order so they're they're those are pre-prepped almost everything in these restaurants are extensively pre-prepped i uh read an interview from like a, a chef trainer from applebee's and he said that they it's probably 60 40 stuff that's 
prepped before the restaurant opens and then stuff that's that's cooked but they said that stuff like steaks and things like that are uh cooked on a grill and they've never touched a microwave on the other hand <laughs> things like rice things like macaroni and cheese stuff like that probably all microwaved then you get into some other applebees where i read other accounts that are these are probably not as nice of applebees where <clears throat> they said that um steaks are pink or not pink that's how you can order them and that just means... I, I hate anytime i go to a restaurant i think applebee's is this way where they you order a steak and they say oh how much pink do you want like that question annoys me what they that's two things one they're they most people don't really know what medium rare and rare those things mean so they're just assuming that you're stupid um the other reason is uh Pink means that they're going to cook it on the flat top or the grill and not pink means that they're going to do that. And then they're going to put it in the microwave. Uh, and if you send it back, <laughs> it's probably going to go in the microwave depending on where you are. I mean, people go, who go to Applebee's are probably the kind of people that order their steak well done anyways. So did that answer your question of like whether the, the answer is it depends. Yeah. I mean, I guess the bigger question is like, is that, unique to applebee's or is that pretty like common like we said olive garden's got a bit of that i ma- imagine chilies and tgi friday is sort of the same situation that is not not exclusive to applebee's um yeah there's some other things you can notice like if you can't substitute things for your meal it's pre pre pre-made and they're just reheating it um you know kind of like kind of common sense things like that but no that's pretty common in restaurants to be honest the exception is the aforementioned Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Okay. Cheesecake Factory is number seven on my list. Ha-ha, so look direct, at that. Directly after Olive Garden. Look at that timing. Now, that's interesting because uh, based on diner surveys, uh, Cheesecake Factory is consistently at the top of uh, chain restaurants, um, if not at the top. And the main thing driving that is apparently uh, millennials. It is super popular with a millennial demographic. And I, I looked into this and the reason is probably because they achieved their big expansion in the nineties and they specifically put their restaurants in the quote unquote, nice malls. So for a period of time, we are elder millennials uh, slash like the tail end of Gen X, depending on who you talk to. And uh, Cheesecake Factory, like they're at the nice mall. And also if you're eating at Cheesecake Factory for like your prom or something like that, that was probably the last time (laughs) where life was just really good and nothing was bad. (laughs) Because this is like pre 9-11 pre uh pre financial crash pre pandemic and i'm like kind of not kidding so there's like an intense nostalgia for the cheesecake factory the other reasons why they're very popular is they have a huge menu um which is directly do, yeah. in violation of like standard logic for restaurants restaurants have super thin margins like we talked about so keeping a, a menu that's as short as possible is one of the ways that you can be successful in restaurants. They have um, over two or they have like over 200 items on their menus. 
Um, and almost everything in their restaurant is actually made from scratch, even things down to the salad dressings. So the origins. So how the hell, how are they doing that? Um, I read about this. Uh, also, they have a lot of like design touches where they're essentially designed to look like a nice restaurant inside, but then they're not that expensive because of, um, you know, just like extreme operational efficiency and things like that. So the origins of the the huge menu, let me read the original Cheesecake Factory menu from 1978 just really, really quick. Uh, it has, this is not going to take me very much time. They have the quiche of the day, roasted chicken, the factory burger, the super factory burger, hamburger steak, the factory burger Olay, <laughs> which is very funny. They were, they were open in California. The English broiler, Sharon's favorite, which is uh, an avocado stuffed with crab salad. The Beverly Hills. Uh, and then they have uh, an array of salads. And then they have um, maybe like eight different sandwiches. So it's like a pretty, very small menu. Well, the owner basically didn't know how to run a restaurant. Like he he didn't have, uh, oh, it was open in Beverly Hills. Um. David Overton was the owner. He had no experience running restaurants, so he didn't know that you're not supposed to have a large menu and things like this. So when a Mexican restaurant opened up down the street, he didn't want his patrons to leave to go to the Mexican restaurant. So he added a bunch of Mexican-American dishes to his menu and then on and on and on. And that's how you get things like the avocado egg rolls (laughs) and the like wacky ass combinations of things that they have in their menu. Um, they have an extremely efficient system where um, they have stations that do like an extremely small number of things. Uh, like they will have like five people at a station uh, cooking just the hamburgers, for instance. Um, so that's like the way that they do it. Uh, I read an account from a guy who said that um, he trained for three weeks before he was allowed to cook. They handed him the the book and it was two inches thick. And he thought that that was just, that was for the entire menu. It was actually just for his one station, uh, which was the saute station, like sauteed vegetables and things like that. Um, right. There was five, co- there's five cooks for 16 burners. One person is plating and garnishing. One person's calling out orders and three people are just cooking for the entire shift. So they just have this, like it's a combination of logistics uh, and training. Hmm. So yeah, well, it must be a hell of a system. I had a, I had a newfound appreciation for the cheesecake factory. Do you like, do you like their food? I mean, have you had good experiences? I've only been a couple times, but I've never had a bad thing there, but, um, I forgot to mention the, the funniest part. The one thing that's not made from scratch at cheesecake factory is the cheesecake, the cheesecakes, cheesecakes is it made are in a factory. They're made at a, Central location and shipped around the country yeah. to assure consistency. I wanted to point out that Applebee's is not in the top 20 on this list. Good. That's the only way you can be a valid list. I got my hand <laughs> stuck in a glue trap at an Applebee's once. <laughs> and he was just trying to eat a burrito. <laughs> Mark, how the hell did that happen? I don't remember who I was there with, sat down and, and, you know, waiting to order and stuff. And there was something stuck in the light above the table. 
and I thought it was just like a piece of paper somebody tossed in there and I grabbed it and it was a fucking bug glue trap that I got my hands stuck into. <laughs> I don't think I've been um, to an Applebee's since. Yeah, I I can um, understand. I, I let's, would uh, let's, go there. Let's go through the top five here real quick. Yeah, let's, let's, sure. let's bring us home here. Uh, a couple of these restaurants I've never heard of. Um, number five is Seasons 52. Also uh, also spun off by the former VP of Cheesecake Factory. Okay. Ah, okay. There are 42 locations. It originated in Orlando, Florida as well. World headquarters of chain restaurants. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, it is a grill and wine bar. Um, it seems relatively fancy. Um I don't know. It has uh, a very high customer satisfaction rank. Um, it says here that the average check comes to uh, thirty-one eighty per person. Um, okay. It's about right. Number four is Cracker Barrel. Are they still the only chain in the country that cooks with lard? Good old Cracker it, it doesn't Barrel. mention it here. There are six hundred and thirty-five locations. It has a very high value rank. Um, mm-hmm. An average guest check comes to less than ten dollars. Um, I don't go there very often. There's one near here in Pickerington, and yeah, it's okay. I don't know. It says the Cracker Barrel does cook most of its vegetables in lard, and I think also their biscuits might have lard in them. Yeah. Okay. Um, number lard, three, lard is good. Don't be afraid I've, of lard. I have no problem with lard. Number three is Cheddar's Scratch Kitchen. Fucking Cheddar's, man. I've never uh, been, but I've heard of this I haven't well. either. I think there is or was one in Boardman. There's there's so many things that you could say that about. Yep. Who knows at this point? There are 168 locations. It started in uh, 1978 or 1979, sorry. And it, it has a commitment to scratch-made recipes. Made fresh for each order. Um, and they hire twice as many kitchen cooks as other restaurants to achieve this in a timely manner. Hmm. That's a lot of overhead. Yeah. Um, number two is Longhorn Steakhouse. We already talked about that. There are 487 locations. Um, yeah, I don't know. We've been there a few times recently for like family get-togethers and stuff like that. And yeah, it sounds pretty good. And number one is Texas Roadhouse. They've got their their cheese fries. Uh, started in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, 473 locations. Is this the place where they throw peanuts on the floor? That was... Uh, That's long. Lone, that was Lone Star. Lo- that was Lone, Lone Star. Star. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know right. if I've ever eaten also at a Texas Roadhouse. I don't think I have. It's, I have. It's fine. Maybe I. Fine. Surely I have. It blurs together with like three other things on your list. So yeah. So here's the thing about steaks. Uh, I have like a. <laughs> I have a lot of very strong opinions. About rest- a lot of very strong opinions about restaurants. Here's the thing about steak. You could teach yourself how to cook a steak in your house that is better than and, and, all. And I did thanks to you. All but <laughs> the nicest steakhouses. Sure. Which is why gotta go. Gotta I, go to the butcher counter and get a steak and not a packaged one. Yes, I only order a steak at 
a steakhouse, which I eat at right. very rarely because your you boy ain't got that much money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you, listeners. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mark. Well, there's the there's the list. That's the list. The only other thing I wanted to mention is that restaurants account for a huge amount of food waste. Mm. And I don't feel like I need to go into it. Um, 2021, there was an estimated 931 million tons of food waste uh, generated in 2019. So 2021 was whenever the study was done. Um 26% was derived from food services, particularly in high-income countries. And it says here that when food like this is put into a landfill instead of a being composted in whatever way, um, it releases methane and um, greatly contributes way more than I thought to um, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, Jason Wright probably has some stuff to say about this oh i'd imagine so yeah mm-hmm. yeah Does, doesn't composting release methane as well it does um, it does but it has other benefits so sure everything likes to trade off <laughs> ain't that the truth man now i forgot to say one more thing about applebee's apparently the riblets <laughs> are real gross I don't want to eat a riblet. Ex- explain. Uh, they have a menu item called riblets, which are these little boneless rib nubbins. Um, even <laughs> the account that I found of uh, a chef who is saying that like at theirs they cook things fresh. Um, he was like, don't eat the riblets. They come out of a bag, and I don't know what they are, and they look gross. <laughs> Kind of disturbing. <laughs> yep. All right. So you had some fast facts for us, right, Dave? I, I got I got a couple fast facts here, uh, and these are like about very specific, um, mm-hmm. you know, specific things in, in uh, chains. Here's one. Um, anybody know what the ingredient is that makes an IHOP omelet so fluffy? Hmm. I'll take a guess. Probably like they cornstarch use- or something. They use pancake batter. Okay. It makes their omelets not gluten-free. Um, but uh, the, they have recipes online for how to do this, and they just use pancake batter in their in their omelets. That makes sense because pancake batter has um, baking powder in it uh, so that it will rise and get fluffy. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Did you know that contrary to you know rumors mcdonald's does use real eggs in their egg mcmuffins did people not think that people there's like always been this rumor that they like come from a bag they freshly crack a whole egg for an egg mcmuffin and recently they moved from frying their eggs in margarine to using 100 percent real clarified butter and talk about something that slaps hot damn egg, yeah, egg mcmuffin man slaps Oh, I'm talking about Egg McMuffins. Oh, yes. Egg McMuffins delicious. Uh, speak, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of butter, I've talked to Dave about this all the time. And like, like you know, your your spouse is, has learned this um, too, I'm sure, with uh, her restaurant training. Uh, one oh, yeah. of the reasons why restaurant food tastes better than what you cook at home is because they use a whole fuck ton of butter. 
They just ladle that shit on there. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Uh, you, you want a fact that's going to kind of bother you? Uh, Maybe. Soda fountains sometimes contain fecal matter. Oh. A 2010 study found that 48% of soda fountains at fast food restaurants contain coliform bacteria, commonly known, commonly found in feces. Microbiologists from Hollins University don't know how it gets there, but suspect it may come from dirty cleaning rags or unwashed customer hands. It's definitely the latter, because we just went through a <sighs> pandemic where we had to teach adults to wash their hands, like babies. So, I... There you go. I heard that ice machines gather bacteria like crazy as well and never get cleaned. They don't ever get they don't ever get cleaned. I worked in a fast food restaurant. I'm not disputing what you said, Dave, but I I do know from a um a vector-borne disease expert that I work with worked with that coliform is on not everything, but on a lot of things because it uh floats on dust particles and it's in the air. Gross. It's probably under you know th- it's probably under toothbrush. It might be. It could well be. Shut your toilet when you yeah. flush the toilet. Oh, I always do. One of the reasons why public restrooms are disgusting is that all the toilets are lidless. And when you flush the poo particles just fly all up into the air and all what? over the restroom. Why are the the toilets lidless in a, in a public restaurant? Do not know because if they put lids on them, they would be significantly more sanitary. Gross. People yeah. probably um, would take a shit on the top of the lid. They would because <laughs> people are fucking animals. Did you know that Colonel Sanders opened another restaurant after KFC? What was it called? Uh, it was called. Um, I believe that it was called. Claudia Sanders dinner house. It was his wife at the time. Like he <laughs> sold KFC in 1971 for $285 million. And then, um, eventually $85 million like, yeah, and this in the is early in 19, 70s, 1971. Hey. And he continued to do, uh, like TV spots for them. He would make up to 250,000 a year doing those TV spots. But eventually he remarried a woman named Claudia, who was one of his employees at one point. He also is quoted as saying that, um, and this is true of Claudia, quote, I always hired widows with children because they had to work and didn't have any foolishness about them. Jesus. Uh, just know that Colonel Sanders was probably a sack of shit. Um, anyways, they, I guess KFC went on to change some of the recipes of their gravy and th- other things like that and it upset him. And so he and his new wife opened up like a separate restaurant to preserve things. Hmm. I'm not sure how long that lasted, but it's interesting. Um, I don't know. Let me give you, let me give you like one more. Let me find a good one here. I, I'm looking at an article from eat this, not that. All right. How about this? Um, Papa John's was one of the first chain restaurants to swear to stop sourcing uh, from farms that use gestation crates, which are tightly confined cages that keep pregnant sows from being able to turn around. Um, Since then, McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's have also committed to stopping this practice, and many fast food companies have pledged to only serve cage-free eggs in the near future. Mm. So, Papa John's. Pizza might be vaguely pizza but you know at least there's that and they're uh 
their former CEO's giant piece of shit. Yes. Yes. Yes, he is. So, uh, oh, I got one. I got one. Two more. I got two more because these are Arby's ones. One, <laughs> Arby's holds the record for the longest TV commercial. Apparently, um, they had a 13 hour and five minute spot that aired in 2014 in Duluth, Minnesota, and is a single shot of a beef brisket being smoked. So they just showed 13 hours of a beef brisket being smoked, <laughs> which is pretty fucking amazing. And then they Looking didn't at serve that at all at the restaurant? Probably not. They also, remember that big hat that Pharrell wore to the Grammys? Yeah, Arby's bought it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Names. they bought it for $44,100. Um, they raised money for charity. Name's Turd Name's Ferguson. Yeah, oversized hat. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's bigger than a regular hat. There you go. And uh, if you so, if yeah. you understood that reference, listeners, it's time to go ice your knees. <laughs> it's time to go eat at Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> yep. Boom. <laughs> brought it back. It's time to go Did get it. some avocado egg rolls, <laughs> which, Did you... which do slap. All right. Well, chain restaurants. Chain restaurants. That's all I have to say about that. I would s- uh, quite a heavy opinion oriented episode. I don't know. I think this is like kind of fun to do after like a his- bunch of history stuff, but uh I cuz you know we hate that. I would say uh don't don't hate on some of these uh places uh get on your high horse and think you're too good to eat McDonald's or cheesecake factory. That being said, go and support your local mom and pop restaurant. They need your business yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. But that sounds very. And the food will be better. That sounds very preachy, but I do mean it. Especially like, I, people don't think about like your local Chinese restaurant. Like that's almost certainly like a family-owned restaurant. Like go, 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 yeah. go eat there. They would appreciate your business, and the food's probably cheaper and better than um, the big chains. Oh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Follow Joe's advice. Get yourself a steak. Learn how to cook it yourself. You will not be disappointed. Get some butter. Yes. You will need butter. (laughs) (laughs) And you will need to open up your window or turn your smoke detector off. (laughs) I got to do those things after I eat at a chain restaurant anyways. (laughs) Too much blooming onion. Too much blooming onion. (laughs) All right. See ya. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to an hour of our time. If you like what you heard, we encourage you to explore our catalog of over 150 episodes and rate and review on your platform of choice. And if you have any comments or episode topic suggestions, contact us at an hour of our time podcast at gmail.com.